News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Elaine on the line. Hi, Elaine. Hello. Yeah, um, my question is, I seeded some new grass this spring, and it looks like I got a decent catch, but we're surrounded by maples. So it's just covered with maple saplings. Also, there's some volunteer dill in there and some just various broadleaf weeds. Now, I'm wondering what I can do to get rid of these things without harming the new grass. Yeah, so it's probably it's too too soon to go out there and use a herbicide on them, right? Okay, so um, is, there, is there a lot of maple saplings or just a few? Oh, there's millions of them. Oh, is that right, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so the only thing I would suggest you possibly doing right now is just, just leave them right now. How, how, how long has the grass been out, up out of the ground? Um, it's about, I would say it's about four inches tall. So have you mowed it yet? Really tall. Have, you, have you mowed it at all yet? No. Okay, so wait until after your second mowing. Okay. okay. And then, then you can spray with, with, uh, with uh, even a herbicide, like even um, there's one that's called uh, Weed Be Gone, I believe it's called. And it's okay. an iron. It's an iron one. It's, uh, it's not a 2,4-D, but it's an iron. And that will burn off all those little maple plants. And then, but you need to do it after the... Okay. So if you're four inches tall, you're pretty much ready. You're pretty close now to, to do a, a tall, like cut it down to about two and a half inches tall. Okay. Right? Don't, don't cut it short. Cut it longer, okay? Okay. And, and also, I got another question. Are maples that usually in the spring, they, you know, they get sappy and drip? Yeah. Yeah, that's because of aphids. They haven't quit this year. They're just constantly yeah. dripping. No, there's lots of aphids up there. So you need to blast those, those plants just with cold water. Oh, that dislodges the aphids. Or you can use soap and water and just blast them with soap, just as much as you can. You know, not, you won't be yeah. able to get all the trees because they're too big, right? But yeah. get as many, much as you can. And the uh, best thing to use is there's a hose and sprayer you can use. And yeah. you can just uh, just even just put in soap and water or, uh, or Endol or anything like that, that you can get rid of them very easily. Uh, oh. Or otherwise, just, just make sure you have some bird bass in the yard. Okay. And that, att- that attracts the songbirds, like the yellow birds and the chickadees. They yeah. go after those aphids like crazy. They eat them. They eat just constantly, the aphids. So just huh. attract well, the birds. that's bird. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so attract, attract the birds to your yard, and that'll help a lot. Okay. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for the call, Elaine. All right. Now we have Lorraine on the line out in Prince Albert. Hi, Lorraine. Hello. Hi. What's your question? I'm uh, wondering what would be the best thing to use to get rid of these. uh, They're bright orange beetles that chew all the leaves off the lilies, and they'll go after other plants, too. Yeah. No, the lily beetle is a bad one, so you have to watch for them. You'll see the egg masses on the backside of the leaves. You can go right. and just wipe the, well, you can wipe them off just with your hand if you want to, okay? Otherwise, you can spray ambush on the leaves, but not on the flower, okay? 
and that'll take care of them. But you got to watch because if you, you can get the, the adults easy, but you, you can't get the, the eggs until the either you either mm. scrape them off with your finger or just to put a glove on or whatever and just squish them. Or otherwise, you have to wait till those eggs hatch, and then you can hit them with ambush again. That's you what I did last back. year, but <laughs> yeah. I was no. picking them every day. Yeah, you have to keep on top of it, and uh, that's the only way is, is just by keeping on top of it right now. That's all you can do because if they aren't coming from your yard, they're coming from a neighbor's yard or whatever. So you just need to keep on top of it. And uh, how often do you, do you use ambush? How often do you have to spray them? So you, I use every 10 to 14 days. 10 to 14 days. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thanks. Answering my question. Thank you. Thanks so day. much, Lorraine. You too. All right. Lynn... How are you today? Oh, not too bad, thanks. Good. What's your question for Rick? Uh, I always grow Norland potatoes, and for some what? reason this year they've got white spots on the leaves. It's, it's not affecting the plants at all, but I'm just curious what would cause the white spots. Usually white spots is a sunburn, usually, if it's white, okay? Oh, if it's, okay. If it's brown and that, but it usually it's white, it's a sunburn. So just in some, some, and just make sure that you're, you're not watering over the leaves as much as you can, okay? Water right. more on the ground if you can. And, yeah. uh, and that'll be the big one. Usually if it's white, it's usually a sunburn. So, uh, so just, yeah, if you water in the ground as much as you can, uh, and if you have to water, water in early morning, don't water in the middle of the day. Okay, because also yep. that the water, the water in the leaves with this intense heat is not good either. Okay. No, well we have we've just been naturally letting the rain water them this year. We haven't watered them ourselves, but okay, I, yeah. just, I just had never seen white spots on the leaves before. Yeah, yeah, white but sp- the plants are healthy in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just what could be just a, you know, have you been getting rain in your area or not? Off and on, yeah. Off yeah. and on. Yeah. So yeah, you just might. Time that, but nothing major. Yeah, your soil might you might be really dry as well because of you know last year we had a drought, so there wasn't much moisture in the ground from last year, and uh-huh. so you you could be just a little bit more uh, dry too. So you might be getting effects from that as well. Yeah. That the, okay. That the plant well, can't re- can't with the, with the heat of the sun, the plant just can't replace the moisture quick enough, right? So that's why you get the sunburn. So you right. might be just a little bit dry. Okay. Okay, Okay. thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks so much for the call, Lynn. All right, we've got Bob on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Bob. Hi, hi. What's your question? Oh, my question is, uh, I I planted uh, or seeded a lawn about three weeks ago, and it's been up for two weeks, and the the lawn that's showing is about two inches long, but it seems to be choked out by weeds, like there's a heavy, there's more weeds than there is long. Yeah, I, I never worry. I never worry about the weeds. Okay, the weeds actually help protect the new grass as as it comes up. So as you start cutting your grass, and so you yeah. see how tall is your grass now? About two inches. About two inches. So just a little bit longer yet. So when the grass gets just a little bit longer, cut it cut it down so it's about two inches. Uh, keep it at about two inches long. Okay. Yes, and those weeds actually are doing a actually protecting the grass and the grass as you fill out, because most of those weeds that are coming up right now are just an annual weed. They just come up for one year and they die out. Okay, so okay. what I don't want those weeds to do, I don't want them to go to flower. Okay, 
So as they come up, I want to make sure I cut cut the weed heads off and the grass off so that they don't flower. Okay. Okay. And then they, then they won't go to seed, and then after that, the, the grass will just choke it out. So I'm not okay. too concerned about the weeds. Um, just treat them as normal. You might have to water just a little bit more because the weeds are taking moisture up, right? And yep. um, and that's all. And then, like I said, just keep it mowed at about two inches, and you might have to go down to an inch and three quarters, depending on how when the weeds start going to flower, and uh, and you'll be fine. Okay. Okay, perfect. Okay. Thanks so much for the call, Bob. Okay, we'll take care of one quick text here before we take a little break. This is from Mike in White City. Good morning. When should I hill my potatoes? I'm growing Yukon Gold this year. Yeah, I, I hill just any, any time now. I mean, right now the potatoes are up probably quite a bit right now. So in a lot of places, like you said, there's some of them saying they're starting to flower already. So mm-hmm. so you can start hilling up any time now. So um, you should. I like hilling up just as the plant grows and heal up a little bit of time. But you, if you're just doing it one time, you, now is about the time you want to start healing. Perfect. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. Feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 We have Darcy on the line right now in North Battleford. Hi, Darcy. Morning. What's your question? I've got some pine trees in my yard. Some of them are 50 years old. I live on a farm just outside North Belford here. And lots of them are dying off from the inside, like the needles on the outside look healthy, but there's all the inside when we're getting bare, there's no needles on them at all. I yeah, wonder if it's, it's spider mites or... Spider mite would be the main culprit, but pines do lose their needles on the inside naturally as well. They, especially in the fall, they'll turn yellow and drop off, Okay. But usually what will make that more excessive is a spider mite infestation, okay? And then the only thing that really, the only thing that really, uh, you know, you can spray, you know, insecticidal soaps, that kind of stuff, but what works the best if you have a bad infestation is melathion. But you just got to, you have to suit up. It's not a great chemical to spray, but it works really well with, with spider mite. Uh, but otherwise, just keep hitting them with soap and water or, canola, or endol, which is uh, canola oil and insecticidal soap together. Uh, but otherwise, use the melathion. That does a better, quick, quicker treatment. And you have to hit them at least two or three times for 14 days apart because there's eggs, right? If you've got a bad infestation. And it's only the bottom half of the tree. It's not the top half. It's the bottom half of the tree that's the worst. Okay. And I've got a grove where we had a bunch of pine trees that we planted, planted on transplant, and they kind of turned into a little forest type thing, and they're kind of dying off now. I don't know if because of the spider mite infestation and the inside coming out type thing. Is it, is it there again the inside out? Is it inside out in those ones as well? Yeah, like the outer edge is kind of healthy, but they're kind of showing it now too. But also you got to watch too, in the last year or so we've had a bad drought, right? So if they're just in a grove, there might be lots of competition and they're not getting enough nutrients as well. And then if you have insects, then you got two things. you got drought and insects. That's when the spider mites are the worst is a drought time. And then they're going to affect the trees even worse then. So if you can get some a water tank out there and give them a good watering, they can help. They can get through the spider mites because they can feed. They can they can replace the moisture that the spider mites is sucking. Okay. What I'm wondering if I go in there and like cut some down and stuff, can I shred that up and use it as a mulch, or should I? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely, you can shred it up. Use it as mulch. Not a problem. Well, I'm 
Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks okay. so much, Darcy. All right, we've got Keith on the line out in Regina. Hi, Keith. Good morning. I've got some, uh, I planted a couple of hundred hybrid poplars, so some Okanese poplars, and uh, some of them have um, already reached about 10, 12 feet, and I've got some of them that have stayed at about the four-foot mark. I was just wondering uh, what can I could do to help them out. Yeah, fertilizing. The, your, your nutrients, you probably have, you know, alkaline strip or something going on with some of the, the plants, and it could be one all of a sudden starts with the next one, you know. I had that in the fields lots of times. Uh, just had a little sand strip in the fields where all of a sudden the row was just going perfectly all nice and high, and all of a sudden, boom, you had some that didn't grow at all. So, okay, what do we just, recommend for uh, fertilizing these things then? Uh, fertilizing, uh, you can if you're going to use a water soluble, uh, you can use just a, a 20-20-20, 30-10-10. If you've got a granular you want to use after just before a rain, if you're out in a windbreak, uh, I like using the the one that's made in Saskatchewan. It's called Groundskeeper, and it's uh, it's basically the one with the phosphorus. Okay, it's there's one without phosphorus and one with phosphorus. And I like using the one with phosphorus, and the reason why I like using this Groundskeeper because it also has sulfur in it. So you lower the pH of the soil because a lot of our soils are high pH. And if you can lower the pH, the plant can take up more of the nutrients that are naturally there. Uh, so then if you have a little alkaline patch, then it just lowers the pH and your plants can just take off with that fertilizer like crazy, especially poplars. The only problem you've got to remember is poplars, if you're going to fertilize them, you have to do it soon. Because once I get into, once I start getting into July, I don't like fertilizing much anymore because otherwise they won't shut down in the fall in time and then you get winter kill. Okay. So I like fertilizing them first thing in the spring is the best time. But if you're going to do it now, do it soon. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks okay. so much, Keith. All right. Now we have Ken on the line out in Wawoda. Hi, Ken. Hi. Good morning, you guys. Um, Rick, I wonder how are you making out with your barn swallows? Yeah, barns well, and they're gone. They they actually aren't starting to nest anymore. So I have a, now there's this one spot that the robin tried to build a nest there in, a, in one spot, but you know I don't mind the robins so bad. The, the swallows they just they come and not just one. Once one co- set come, they start all making a village. So, <laughs> so but yeah, no, I I was yeah. we had barn swallow problems for years and years yep. here, and they're very persistent. I yep. um I ended up smearing Vaseline on top of oh. the window edges where they like to build. Oh. Yep. And uh, that discouraged them. That that uh, scared them or, you know, discouraged them from building there. And that was, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago maybe. And yep. I haven't had to reapply. Um, hmm. They're still, like, it's not slippery up there anymore, but it's it's dried up and it's kind of sticky, but it's still a residue there. And it yep. seems to deter them quite well. So I haven't oh. had much problem with them here for the last number of years. And how did you learn that? From somebody else? Uh, we just got that brainwave one day because we were getting so frustrated with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was my wife that suggested it. Oh, well, that, that's a good one because that's safe. it's safe to use too. And so did, did it discolor anything, the siding or the windows at all? No, it didn't. No. Okay, Perf- uh, th- There's a little bit of dust to it you know yeah. so it's it's a little bit darkened but it's not serious okay it's it's up there oh. where nobody notices anyway really yeah well and, thanks thanks for that information that's awesome that's great okay and and then uh, there's other places sometimes where they uh where they get onto a nail or a, 
or something like that. I, I once in a while hang up a little grocery bag, tie it up there, and yeah. it kind of flaps around in the wind, and it makes an unstable base for them. So uh, that's, that's the two things that have worked for me. Perfect. Yeah, I'm also going to try some scare tape. It's little tape that have reflective light on it, like it's it's shiny. And so when it blows in the wind, it causes the sun to reflect, and the birds don't like that either. So that that also works. And you can little thinner strips, and so not such like a big bag or something like that, right? So yeah, um, we've tried but, those thinner strips too at times, but uh, sometimes yeah. they just ignore them and build yeah. build over them anyway. Build build over them. Yeah, well, I got one light, so I got they're they're now not going on top of that one light anymore. So that's good. So, I'll, but if they do again, I'm going to try that Vaseline. That might work good. Thanks for your call. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ken. You too. All right. Quickly, we're going to chat with Gordy in Saskatoon. Hi, Gordy. Hi. Uh, I have a question regarding daylilies. I have um, about 12 daylilies in spaced about two feet apart. And last year they grew like crazy, but they never flowered. And this year they're even bigger already, and there's still no flowers. When do they flower? And... um, I've got one that has a flower on it coming. It's been there for like four days, and it really hasn't gone anywhere. All the rest of them have nothing. Hmm. Yeah, so you got lots of lots of green growth, but no flower. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so one thing I would do is I what are you fertilizing it all? I they've had a dose of alfalfa tea, and they have also had a dose of twenty twenty twenty. Okay, so you got the two two right fertilizers that should work to make that go really well. So that's odd that they're not flowering. What what kind of sunlight do you have there? Um, most of them get around five to six hours of sun a day. And that's perfect. So you got the perfect location. So the reason why they're not now, blooming is really strange because they should be. You're adding the phosphorus to the soil. Sorry. Go ahead. I do. I am using rubber mulch. They are in rubber mulch. Okay. If they're in rubber mulch, what color is rubber mulch? Is it black? It is. No, it is not black. It is brown. Okay. It's brown. Okay. Brown's not quite so bad, but sometimes it'll heat up the soil quite a bit. But I mean, if your leaves are green, yeah. that shouldn't matter. I mean, the plants are still healthy. If the leaves are nice green, you get lots of growth. So that's not right. really should be the problem. So the problem is you're not getting to bloom. And like I said, you're hitting with alpha T, you're hitting with uh, 2020, 20s, you're giving all the micronutrients and everything else. There shouldn't be a reason. And you, the right amount of sunlight, because daylilies, is, that's almost the perfect amount of sunlight for daylilies. Um, they got me stumped. I'm not sure why those ones aren't oh. blooming. They should, they should be blooming. Like there's no reason why you got the perfect yeah. conditions and you got all the nutrients there. Yeah. Maybe what you have to do is cut out the fertilizer. Okay. Cause sometimes okay, what so happens they, is that. Yeah. It, they, they, what they they, what plants do is for, that... Yeah. Sorry, they haven't been fertilized for almost two weeks now. So Yeah, so don't don't put any more fertilizer on this year at all. Yeah. Okay? Okay. And so because what happens is that sometimes plants, if they're too perfect in growing conditions, they don't need to reproduce themselves, okay? And so now we just need to stress it. Maybe cut the water out a little bit, you know, and, and okay. stress them a bit because then they'll want to produce seed. Right? Well, that's why they flower for, right? Because they want to produce themselves. Right. So the yeah. only thing yeah. I can that's think of right is. now is that you got the conditions too good that it says I don't need to reproduce myself. Okay, yeah, because they get watered when I water the lawn because they're right there. 
Yeah. So maybe yeah. what I should be doing is uh, just watering the lawn differently and let them dry out a bit. Is that what you're yeah. saying? I'm saying just stress them a little bit. Okay. And then that should yeah. get them to flower. Because I think they're just being too, say, I'm too tickety-boo. I'm good. You know, I don't need to, I don't need to flower because I'm just per- perfect right now. Yeah, so, they're very, very happy. Okay. Yeah, they're All happy. Right. Okay. Um, can I, can I ask one more question about hydrogen? We're, we're a little short on time right now, Gordy. Okay. I'm going to put you on hold and we'll bring you back right after the news. All right. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Divendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Divendyke, and we have Gordy on the line as well. Gordy, who stumped Rick with his first question in the last break. <laughs> I was telling Rick during the commercials, Gordy, that we're going to have to get T-shirts made for everyone who stumps Rick. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right. What's your um, second question? <laughs> I have two little lime uh, hydrangeas and yep. an incredible. Now, yep. The incredible and one of the key line or little lines are just new. They've only been just planted yeah. because I had to replace dead ones. Okay. So um, now I have initially I fertilized with thirty ten ten. Yep. Um, on everybody, but two of them just didn't come up. The other one is. Is, seems to be okay, and I have brand new ones in there. I did buy a bag of uh, what is it, aluminum sulfate to acidize. Yep. yep. Now, should I acidize these new ones? You can put a you put a, put a little light sprinkling, maybe a couple you know teaspoons around the plant. That will help them a lot, and uh, just because the, the, just lower the pH for them, they'll do a lot better to get established. Okay, uh, so. Use it as powder rather than mixing it in water. Yeah, you could use it. I just sprinkle it on top of the ground. It's fine as as you okay. water it'll take yeah, it down. Yeah, well, again, this is everything is in mulch, so I would have in uh, rubber mulch. Okay. So I would have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess mix it in water then. Yeah. Just yeah. mix it in water then. Just it's, yeah. and with the new okay. plants, go and with the new plants, go with your half rate of thirty ten ten. Okay. Okay. Well, I haven't done that to those yet. Yeah. So yeah. Go to you can go to half. Yeah, go to half rate. That'll be fine for them. Yeah, I've given them a drink of uh, alfalfa tea, but that's oh, all perfect. I've done with them so far. Yeah, yeah, you're perfect. Okay. So if you want, okay. go just if you give them that, just if you want to, that's just fine. If you, that's all you need to do, but if you want to give them a little bit of a bigger boost, because a lot of times in those root balls, there's not much nutrients left. You know, they've eaten it all up, right. and so just right. go to a half strength and only maybe a, a liter, okay, of water. Okay. Okay, very good. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks so much, Gordy. Have a great day. All right, we've got Marjorie on the line in Shellbrook. Hi, Marjorie. Hello. What's your question? Um, It's my onions. Um, We have been having trouble, and we've changed the location. And uh, what's happening is as soon as you see one of the stems turning brown and you pull it, um, the bottom's been chewed off or it's mushy. And um, we've tried different things. Like I said, changing the location. We've tried oh. using eggshells, ashes, uh, companion planting. We planted them this year with our carrots. Yep. Um, and uh, we haven't found uh, anything to solve our problem. <laughs> yeah. You, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to 
plant in a different location next year, okay, or if you're going to replant this year, and then and then you need to use a crop cover. And so you a need to use cover. that. What's that? A crop cover. It's a white fabric, okay, and you mm-hmm. set it over top for the first couple of weeks when, you're, when your uh, onions are just uh, starting to sprout. So you have to you put a little sticks underneath them, or you can get ones that we have little hoops that look like a little miniature greenhouse that you fit over top of your row of onions. Okay. And then that, that way your onions can grow underneath it. And then it, what the, and you cover the soil on the bottom so that, they, that the flies can't get into it. Okay, and that's why you change location so they aren't in the soil right there. And then right. if you leave it there for the first couple of weeks, the flies cannot get at the stems coming out of the soil to lay their eggs. Okay. Okay. And, and if you do that, it's a non-chemical way and it works very well as a crop cover. It's called a crop cover. And okay. uh, it works very well at keeping those those bugs so that you don't. Oh, you, interesting. Okay, and, but you have to so, leave it on there for at least at least two weeks uh, so that the flies go somewhere else and lay their eggs somewhere else. Okay. Right. Okay. It um, like last year, it didn't seem to harm the red onions. They, yeah. I don't know if they have a thicker skin or whatever, but the white onions and the yellow onions, yeah, we. Yep. Yeah, the yellow onions, especially, they'll like them a lot. So. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, th- oh, and okay. can you overwater onions? Yes, you can. Any bulb, any bulb plant you can overwater. So stick your finger in the soil and just monitor your watering, okay, so it's not too wet. Any bulb, you'll, if you can overwater, absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, So radish, radishes, onions, all those kind of crop, crop uh, uh, ground-growing vegetables, you can overwater, uh-huh. yes. Oh, Okay. Just be be consistent in your whole garden. Like it shouldn't be wet, dry, wet, dry. Just a nice moisture. Okay. Uh huh. Okay, that's good to know. Well, thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks You're so welcome. much, Marjorie. All right, we've got Larry on the line now in Saskatoon. Hi, Larry. Hi. Good morning. I've got a question. Uh, um, I've got an old uh, maple tree out on the farm, and uh, it's quite old, probably eighty years, I would think, or somewhere in that neighborhood, and I've got a major split in the Y. I sort of want to save it a bit or yep. uh, keep it from deterring or falling on a building or something. Uh, yep. What's yep. your best advice? Best advice is you get a long bit, okay, a drill bit, yep. and you drill up higher in the tree uh, above it, paying how wide it goes, you know, but go up uh, as, as high as you can to reach a, a piece of threaded rod from branch to branch, from trunk to trunk, uh-huh. okay? Because if you tie around the trunk of the tree, it's not good, okay? So what I want to do is drill straight through the middle of the trunk and over to the other middle of the trunk and put a, a long piece of threaded rod, and yep. then I'll put a big washer, and then some, uh, actually I'll put a, actually a piece of rubber is even better, a piece of rubber first, and then like cut a piece of tire, old bicycle tire or something like that, right? Stick it up against there, make a washer out of it. Stick a big washer, and then a big steel washer, and then a smaller washer, and then a th- and then a nut, and then just bolt them together. And that's that's that should stabilize it. I think I might cut yep. some overhanging branches to reduce some weight, and maybe that'll help. That and that's a big one too. Is just taking away some of that weight from that branch, uh, especially the ones that are leaning out away. From, you know, pulling them down. That's yep. that's a big one too. And then maples, you can prune any time now. Uh, anytime right. after they're in full leaf, you know, so uh, basically now they're all in full leaf and you can prune them now. So, okay, just, good, okay. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for the call, Larry. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to answer more of your questions. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe. I'm here with the gardening guru, Rick Van Dyvendyke. Uh, we're going to take care of some of the texts on the text line right now. This one is from Nikki. She lives on an acreage in southwest Saskatchewan. Um, she asks, is there a way to get rid of flies and moths that are apparently attracted to our cotton easters? Well, that's a tough one, Courtney, because uh, right now the, the either finished blooming already or just, just finishing blooming. So the, the canola aster attract a lot of bees as well. So you're really not going to spray anything around them. So the only thing you really do is uh, just put some tra- uh, fly traps out. You know, just put the odd little fly trap out around there, and that'll that'll there'll be a, there's little attractants in the fly traps that will attract just the flies. So that's probably a way to do it to, so that you're not affecting the bees. That's that's the big one. Yeah, that's something my husband Tyler and I have been a little bit hesitant about. There's a lot of different bugs and beetles and things yeah. around our yard that we would like to get rid of, but we're a little hesitant because we don't want to kill the stuff that's doing yeah. good. Good. And flowering time is, is a no-no because there's just too many bees in that. So, yeah, I'll use, there's lots of bag flower, fly traps out there. You can put a few of those out there, and there's even moth traps out there. So you can uh, you can use those ones to, to catch um and moth traps are sometimes a little bit hard to find because you see them in Ontario because they're trying to catch a lot of the you know caterpillar issues that they have out there. But with the moths, but uh, you can still find the the moth or fly traps here and just put a few of those out and that'll help get rid of them rather than it'll just catch the certain bugs for you. Yep, definitely. Okay, here's a text from Rochelle in Spiritwood. Uh, Rochelle is wondering if there's anything that can be done about cutworms. Yeah, cutworms. The the biggest thing, the easiest way to get rid of cutworms is using the nematodes, and so that's the grub the grub buster nematodes or grub grub out or grub buster nematodes. It's it's a nematode. It's another insect. You spray it onto wet your lawn really well first, or garden or lawn, whatever wherever your cutworms are, and you spray this on there. And these nematodes just go seek and destroy them. So it works really well, and uh, because all the other uh, chemicals are gone. I mean, you can sprinkle some diatomaceous earth dust into the areas where you have problems, uh, but uh, I find the nematodes work uh, really quickly and really fast. Okay, perfect. All right, this is a text from Rosanda from Estevan. Our garden seeds came up really spotty this year, but tomatoes, cabbage, and corn are all doing great. We have high alkaline soil. Can we add groundkeeper to our garden? Would it help? Yeah, absolutely. Because ground creepers only, especially if you work it into the soil in the spring when you do your garden, because it's only a 16 nitrogen, but it has a, also a phosphorus, a 10 phosphorus, and, and it has a, a potassium, which your plants need as well. But it also has a 17 sulfur, which brings your alkaline down. So just, yeah, actually spread that over your garden and work it into your garden, and uh, that'll work really well. You can even do a li- you can even do some little bit of sprinkling in right now if you want, uh, or if you also want to, if you want to hit it really good right now, it's some aluminum sulfate, and that'll lower the pH in that area as well. Perfect. Okay, here's a text from Mary in Regina. I have one juniper bush that is not growing very well. What would be the best fertilizer for it? Okay, so for if you want, I have always used for a long time on my junipers to get lots of growth on them because they grow. They do most of the growing in the month of June and the first two weeks of July. So you have to hit them right now because uh, what are we at? The 26th of June already? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's almost the end of, it's basically the end of June. Next week's July, right? So Or this week's July. 
we're in this week already. So, um, so you want to hit them with 30, 10, 10, and you want to use it in, depending how big the, the juniper is, you're going to use about two liters of water uh, at least, if, uh, and then mix with 30, 10, 10. Do that once now, once in three weeks' time, and then you stop. Next year, you're going to start May the 10th, and you're going to go to July the 15th. Okay, perfect. All every right. Three, every three weeks. Awesome. Okay, we have Carl on the line right now out in Indian Point. Hi, Carl. Hello. What's your question? I, I planted new lawn, a combination of red fescue and Kentucky bluegrass, about two months ago. Yep. It didn't come up real thick, but anyway, it's full of weeds. Is yep. there anything I can do to spray the weeds on a new lawn? No, you don't need to. Uh, don't. They won't hurt the lawn. Locks you protect it. Okay. I like. Uh, I just like leaving those weeds right in there. I just want. I keep mowed. Okay, so that the weeds don't go into flower. So they don't go into seed. That's the only thing. But otherwise, actually, weeds, you always will get weeds in soil when you plant grass seed. It's just inevitable. You know, you just can't stop it. But actually, those weeds are actually protecting the new little fine grasses, especially those Kentucky bluegrasses, because they're such a fine grass hair that comes up when they germinate. And uh, so you just have to keep your grass moist because the weeds will be sucking moisture away from the grass, right? So as long as you keep them moist and then you keep them mowed so they don't go to, go to seed, those weeds, the grass will choke them out. Oh, I'm not worried okay. about that at all. Okay? Thank you. Perfect. You're Thanks welcome. so much for the call, call Carl. All right. Uh, here is a text from Barry in Dalmany. Hi, Rick. We have a large old maple tree in front of our house. Never before has this ever happened, but everything around it has a sticky something coated on it. The deck, the cars parked near to it. I assume this sticky stuff has come from the tree. Why is this happening and can I stop it? Never in this 20 a- years has this happened. This is a bad year for aphids. Yeah. And aphids are, aphids are sucking on the leaves and they're excreting. They're basically peeing out sap. Okay. And it's it's dripping (laughs) off. So they're just sucking like crazy. So you just need to hit blast them with cold water and dislodge the aphids. You know, you can do that. You can use an insecticidal soap on them. Uh, end all, which is canola oil and insecticidal soap together, or you can use, uh, ambush as well. So any one of those things. Aphids are very easy to, to get rid of, and uh, you just have to hit as much of the trees as you can. Because those big trees, you can't get to the top because you just don't have anything sprayed that high, right? Yeah. So just get as much as you can, and uh, and then that's all you can really do. This will be a cycle and go through. Like I said earlier, uh, have some bird baths in your yard. Attract the little, because uh, if you have bird baths, you can attract the yellow birds, the blue birds, the chickadees. And those little birds eat tons of those uh of those uh, aphids every day. So attract birds to yard. And the way you attract them is having water for them to have a bath in, to drink on, because they, if they eat lots, they want to have something to drink all the time. So and so just attract the birds by having multiple bird baths in the yard, and you'll that'll help to naturally control the population. Perfect. All right, we've only got about a minute and a, and a half left here, but we're going to head quickly to the phone line. We've got Gary on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Gary. Good morning. Uh, I was out to our community garden here in Saskatoon, and we were infested with potato bugs just hatching out. Any quick question or answer? Yeah, just Which get out there. Keep, pick, keep, keep, keep picking. <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing that. And then next spring, okay, next spring, plant your potatoes with a slice of onion. We've yeah. had lots of callers saying that just put a slice of onion in with your potato tuber when you're planting. And you won't have potato bugs. 
I heard that on your show before. It was late for that, but there's nothing we can spray in the now, eh? Well, the problem is right now is with bees, right? So unless you go out there and hit them with some ambush, uh, right, you have to do it late in the evening when the bees have all gone home. Yeah. Okay? Uh, that's about the only thing you can do, but they're going to keep coming. There's going to be lots of eggs there now too, right? So yeah, yeah, I noticed that under the leaves. What about melathion? Melathion will work too. But like I said, you have to do that in the evening when all the other insects have gone to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Okay. Thanks. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much for the call, Gary. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you so much for everything, Rick, for all the answers you provide to everybody. That's fun. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.